Hello, optimistic curmudgeons. My name is Josh Herring. This is the first of what hopefully will be a running series of audio newsletters. In the audio newsletters, I'm going to read essays that I have published and share them with you in this format. So today I'm gonna to go back to an essay that I published on May 3rd of 2023 in the journal Law and Liberty. It is entitled, What is the Future of Classical Education? I'm recording this in Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, during the afternoon break of the Acton Institute's Acton, uh, I'm sorry, the Acton Institute's Acton University 2023 conference. Uh, I decided to start with this, uh, this essay because uh, tomorrow night there is going to be a, what promises to be quite interesting debate happening uh, between one of the guys over at the American Reformer and uh, Jeremy Tate of the Classic Learning Test. That will be the latest iteration of the debate that I jumped into back in May. So without any further ado, here is audio newsletter number one. In that hideous strength, C.S. Lewis makes an argument about time and organizational development through Professor Dimble. Dimble says, quote, if you dip into any college or school or parish or family, anything you like, at a given point in its history, you always find that there was time before that point when there was more elbow room and contrasts weren't quite so sharp. And there's going to be a time after that point when there is even less room for indecision and choices are even more momentous. Good is always getting better and bad is always getting worse. The possibilities of apparent neutrality are always diminishing. The whole thing is sorting itself out all the time, coming to a point getting sharper and harder. Families, schools, and churches have, Lewis suggests, a cycle of initial freedom narrowing into purpose as time forces definition in response to circumstances. In this process, the ability to avoid defining oneself, to maintain an apparent neutrality, ceases. Lewis's argument explains a current dust-up in the classical renewal education space. The sides of the dust-up are clear. Jessica Houghton Wilson praises an increase in diversity of representation in reading list, and Jeremy Tate, president of the Classical Learning Test, CLT, includes Wilson's view of diversity as belonging to the big tent of classical education. On the other side, Matthew Freeman has accused the CLT of going woke because it supports representation rather than hero worship as a primary goal. Clifford Humphrey and Ben Merkel have both supported Freeman's argument suggesting that classical education focuses on excellence rather than representation. This debate is a result of the growth of the classical renewal movement and illustrates Lewis's argument. As the classical renewal movement grows, the importance of defining the movement and ensuring that the movement does not become the thing it was founded to oppose increases. The terms of the argument are clear, yet both sides misunderstand the nature of our contemporary moment. Tate's response to Freeman's article was unsatisfying because he misunderstands the threat of mission drift. Tate cites the diversity of views on the CLT's Board of Academic Advisors, but the presence of multiple views is not sufficient. Tate proposes a purpose for classical education, quote, the whole point of traditional education is to arm a new generation with the tools they need to think critically for themselves. And that mission requires a selection of works diverse in subject and author covering the period from antiquity to the modern era. Teaching students to think well articulates an important part of the classical vision, but is insufficient to define the whole. Classical education is on the cusp of going mainstream, but in that growth lies a danger. 
Wilson wants a conservative version of identity politics, arguing that reading lists should include minority voices, primarily women and black authors. She writes, and I'm gonna pause for a second and stop the alarm I've got going. My apologies. Let's go back up to the beginning of that sentence. She writes, quote, when choosing reading lists for students, do we ignore the works by Middle Eastern writers or Native American and African folk tales? Or do we include them, as well as highlight the Ethiopians and Herodotus, read the Epic of Gilgamesh, and include the Egyptian Book of the Dead? Wilson's questions detract from the universality of the great books, focusing instead on representational factors. By opening the term classical education to include diversity of representation as a goal, which Wilson and Anika Frather both do, for Frather, see this link, this link, and a third link, Tate includes people advocating for the same principles that led to the acceptance of woke ideology in education. For the classical renewal movement to remain a renewal, it must resist the siren call of representation in literature. Instead of seeking to see themselves in the great books, students should be trained to look for what is universally human, the good, the bad, the mundane, the tragic. Whether or not a female student sees herself in the caricatures that make up David Copperfield is irrelevant. She should see what a life well-lived looks like and the many ways that life can run awry. The goal of a classical education is not to help each student see himself, but rather to perceive in himself a representation of the whole. We read the great books to submit ourselves to the authors whose messages have stood the test of time and whose wisdom can help us perceive a path amidst a chaotic world. If schools follow Wilson's advice, they can easily substitute different criteria by which to choose what students should engage. Such substitution is the early stages of educational mission drift. To criticize Tate and Wilson's position, though, is not to agree with Freeman. Freeman suggests that the goal of classical education is hero worship and the enshrinement of hierarchy. He writes, quote, the existence of the hero presupposes the excellence of the few and the inferiority of the many. That is hierarchy. Without hierarchy, you cannot have hero worship, and without hero worship, you cannot have the classical tradition. Both hierarchy and heroic figures are part of classical education. Normative values are inherently hierarchical. They proclaim certain truths right and others wrong. Such values are best seen in heroic demonstration in epic poetry. However, Freeman's exaltation of the Greek hero ignores the way Christianity shapes the classical tradition and the ways modernity forms the nature of classical education today. Christianity posits that Christ redeems the classical masculinity of the Greek hero alongside all other parts of creation, and is himself the greatest picture of a human. Humility, love, strength, prudence, wisdom, grace, leadership, teaching, service, and suffering replace Achilles' rage, Odysseus's wiles, and Aeneas's piety as the highest vision of man. Both love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and a new commandment I give unto you, love one another as I have loved you, were unknown principles in classical Greece. Freeman misunderstands the extent to which the present is shaped by Christianity. If the classical renewal movement is truly a renewal of education for the modern world, it must undertake its work with an eye to how Athens, Jerusalem, and Rome have been shaped by London and Philadelphia. Modern knowledge of physics, biology, and chemistry 
alongside the developments of classical liberalism and a heightened view of human reason all belong to the tradition. Classical education seeks not just to train the leaders of society, but rather to give the education that once belonged only to elites, to everyone. It is not just a revival of Greek paideia. After all, no one involved in modern classical education endorses nude wrestling or perverted teacher-student relationships. What comes later in time filters what we draw forward from the classical world. Freeman's excessive dependence on pure classicism is not representative of the movement writ large. Classical education is good inasmuch as it points students towards the good and calls them to conform themselves to the truth. Neither truth nor goodness, much less beauty, were known in their fullness in the classical world. The classical world requires the grace of Christianity and the reality of modernity to become a source of wisdom for living. Both sides of the debate, therefore, can benefit by asking, what time is it? Tate, Wilson, Prather, and others sensitive to the nuances of representation on reading lists should recognize that the classical renewal movement is not in danger of being too exclusionary, but rather in danger of opening the movement to the forces that derailed mainstream education a century ago. For Freeman, the danger lies in glorifying a classical past and failing to nuance the tradition. Classical education has the potential to renew education on a global scale. But if Lewis is right about the pattern of organizational leadership, then a broad tent welcoming to all views cannot hold. As time goes on, Tate and his compatriots at the CLT will need to draw lines. Which visions of classical education are beyond the pale? How far does a concern for representation extend? Does having enough female authors from enough countries suffice? Or should a reading list include representative selections from various religions, ideologies, or sexual orientations? Jeremy Tate intends none of these scenarios, but the views articulated by Jessica Houghton Wilson open a pathway leading to the reductio ad absurdum. In our current moment, that absurdum is the greater danger. It explains why Freeman's argument resonates. At the same time, Freeman's concept of hero worship and adulation of the Greeks uh, smacks of the kind of neo-Nietzschean machismo found in dark corners of the new right. For classical education to succeed as a mainstream movement, the lessons of classical Greece must be tempered by both Christianity and modernity. Thank you for tuning in to the first of the Optimistic Curmudgeons audio newsletters. If you enjoyed this uh, audio newsletter, please do leave a comment and share this episode with a friend. Uh, if you're interested in the unique brand of classical education uh, that we are developing, please do check out our work at thalescollege.org. Until next time, love the good, seek the beautiful. Nope. Until next time, uh, love the good, enjoy the beautiful, and seek the truth.